afternoon. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of Mad Mork Stories. This is Patrick Mad Mork coming to you live from Silicon Valley. It is a beautiful day outside today, probably low 70s, clear blue skies. Life is good, and I am uh, fortunate enough to be joined today by uh, Philip Hickey. Uh, Phil is the uh, head of marketing over at Seriously. He's a former professional basketball player turned award-winning marketeer. It uh, runs all the good marketing stuff over at Seriously, uh, brand, marketing, communications, and everything else, digital media. He has over 15 years of experience on mobile and was mostly recently responsible for heading the marketing strategy and execution across all the business units for that famous pop culture phenomena called Angry Birds over at Rovio. Uh, Phil is a guy who gets things done. What can we say? You know, we like people like that, especially in startup land, whether it's working with game-changing smartphones or global entertainment franchises, He's the guy that relishes the opportunity to break new ground and set industry standards. Phil specializes in product launches, brand building, digitally-led strategy, branded content, influencer marketing, and consumer engagement. That's a mouthful uh, for all you folks. While initiating, building, and cultivating key strategic partnerships. At Rovio, uh, Philip ushered in an age of the mobile blockbuster with cutting-edge integrated campaigns for worldwide hits such as Angry Birds Space and Angry Birds Star Wars. Launching simultaneously as apps, animations, books, and physical products, these properties demonstrated how apps could transform the entertainment landscape as we know it by integrating digital and physical gameplay experiences in completely new and innovative ways. Phil, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Well, listen, I mean, obviously, I think most of us, uh, whether we care to admit it or not, are gamers, right? We all have smartphones, be it iPhones or Pixels or whatever. We all have, uh, you know, lots of time. Well, some of us have more time than others, but we all find times in the day to uh, to dive in and get our little snack of mobile gaming. But, uh, you know, to get us started first, uh, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, um, you know, and how you got into marketing, and especially, you know, tell us a little bit about your current, your current role at Seriously, uh, what it is that you do there, and obviously, you know, I'm sure the folks would love to know some of the uh, some of the great IP that uh, you guys are working on at Seriously. Sounds good, yeah. Um, you know, getting into marketing was an interesting path. After after school, I played basketball across Europe for a few years and ended up hurting hurting my knee, and uh, I was gonna hang up the shoes and and decided to. Uh, the, the team I had originally played in for Finland offered me a two-year contract to come back, and they said I could study and get my MBA at the school, Helsinki School of Economics, and play mm-hmm. for them for two years. And that sounded like a, a pretty, pretty intriguing option. So I took them up on that, and from there, <clears throat> that led to a job at, at Nokia, who was the, you know, the, the world leader in mobile phones at, at that point. Um, maybe you know, definitely outside the United States, but but everywhere else, and uh, yeah, and, you know, learned a lot about you know, the beginning of the app ecosystem and, and different operating systems and, you know, managing the hardware and, and software technologies. And, and um, funny enough, a little, a little company called Rovio was just down the road from us at Nokia. And uh, obviously they had a, the mega hit of Angry Birds. And, and, you know, I worked with them very early on and um, we got along well. And, and, you know, when they, when they had an opening in their department, they gave me a call and I, I jumped over there and, and, um, it had quite a quite an insane ride. Uh, yeah, I'll say the, kind of the rise <laughs> of the Angry Birds, to say the least. I used to and, I used um, to joke that I couldn't go anywhere without seeing Angry Birds. I mean, it was like 
it was, you know, in cereals and it was in supermarkets and, you know, you had hats and toys and plush toys and figurines. I mean, those guys were just like omnipresent in every single channel that you could imagine. And that was probably even before it was official. I mean, that's when I kind of realized how big it was. I was, uh, I think I was doing a commercial shoot here in Los Angeles and I went down to Little Mexico and every single stall was like 50% branded with, you know, bootleg Angry Birds stuff. I'm like, <laughs> that's when I knew that this, you know, it was going to be a monster. I think that was yeah, the first what, indicator. And then, when your stuff starts getting ripped off by other people, then you know you're on to something. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good problem <laughs> to have, that's for sure. <laughs> and and I saw the you know I saw uh, then you know then the official stuff started coming out of Rovio. I think there was frying oil in Korea, and there was some coffee in Finland, and there was perfumes, and I yeah it, it might have got to be a little too much. Yeah. But um, yeah. but but you know it was the interest was there, and you know every category was filled, and you know the decisions were being made in real time because there was you know every decision was the opportunity cost at that point so um yeah yeah, yeah. it just it just it just became massive and and obviously to you know meet a great network of people and you know that's where we met you know initially and um you know a lot of a lot of the current people that I work with are two co-founders at seriously um I worked with for 3 years at Rovio and and uh you know I think we have and five or ten people at, at this company that you know had Rovio experience. So, you know, people I've now worked with six to seven years in a row at this point um, through different things. So it's, it's been a great network. I think you know. <clears throat> now, now I'm here at Sears, and you know we have our first entertainment title called Best Fiends, and you know we're we're looking to a lot like Rovio had 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 done to look out. You know, we think the next entertainment brands are going to be built up built out on mobile, whether that's you know, they may start as a game, but they can move into animations and consumer products and, yeah. and all the other good good things that signify a popular entertainment brand. And I think, you know, we, we learned a lot of great lessons at Rovio, both good and bad, on, on how to do it and, you know, how how effective that kind of <clears throat> that, that kind of brand building of having the brand in your pocket everywhere you go is. And and like you said, like everyone's a gamer that has a phone. We really believe that. So yeah. You know, and everyone's a consumer of entertainment. Um, and games aren't just competing against games, but they're competing against, uh, you know, Netflix and Spotify and all the all the big big entertainment brands that do take up your time and, and your attention. So, um, yeah. so yeah, we think we found something pretty neat, and we've built the you know a, a fun brand that you know people seem to enjoy, and yeah. you know through through hard work and, and you know finding the right marketing tools and, and marketing avenues that we can talk about earlier you know, a bit later, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's, and it's, certainly you guys have seen like your surf success, right? I mean, you know, I was watching an interview with, uh, you know, your, 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 your CEO and co-founder, Andrew Salvo, you know, who's actually a good friend of mine. We, we, we go back way back and I've known Andrew for, for many years now. And, you know, I was stunned to see that you guys are doing somewhere like in the neighborhood of like over 150 K per day in revenue on, on best teams. I mean, that is, that's incredible when I think of how far you guys have come the last four years. Yeah, it, you know, it is, it's, 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 you know, there's never an easy day, but we've been able to build it up. I think, you know, I, I think what we're seeing in the market is that these products, there are fewer launches and people are really focusing on products that start to break through and building feature sets and building daily events and yeah. things for people. So, you know, we've really worked hard at the first game when we had a bit of traction and, um, 
No, we've just come out for our biggest quarter yet, and March was our biggest month yet. So awesome! Congratulations. Um, so th- yeah, thanks, thanks. There's a lot of you know, it it, it shows that there's long term value in, in building a brand. I think people stick with us a bit longer because we do have a brand. You know, we're not yeah. This just another soulless match three game, but we do have character and story, and we're developing kind of accelerated products, and you know. We've, Put out our first two animations, and you know we're working on our YouTube channel, and we you know we take our social channels very seriously and interact with anyone on those. So, now yeah. it's, it's it's interesting when you when you talk about that, Phil, because I mean you know you say something that's very uh, interesting and particularly relevant for me, you know, as a as a more traditional marketer, right? But it seems to me that you guys from the inception of the company really thought very heavily about your marketing and your story and your brand strategy. Can, can you comment on that a little bit and, and maybe, you know, walk the audience a little bit through the thinking of why branding and marketing was so important to you guys from the beginning? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we're, uh, like, I can give you an example of uh, one of the first things Andrew and I bonded on. Um, I remember in the early days, when we were both at Rovio, we were at an early meeting at Lucas Film, and you know we were both discussing our love for Lucas properties and stuff. And I said, "Yeah, like I, you know, I just had a son." I said, "You wouldn't believe this, but my my son's middle name is Anakin." <laughs> and he, was, he got a chuckle. He's like, "He's like, you're not going to believe this." And I'm like, "What's that?" He's like, "Well, my middle, my son's middle name is Indiana." Wow. And I was, like, "Oh my gosh!" So I mean, I don't know what the chances of that are happening, but I think it's you know, I think it kind of cemented our belief that these brands, like once you love them and you've interacted with them, I mean, they really cut through it. They, they yeah. go to different places inside people's brain and hearts that, yeah. that your kind of generic kind of, you know, cookie cutter brands don't, don't last, last that long. And, and so yeah. I think, you know, um, when we were building Best Dreams brand, we started with the story and we started with the characters and we started with the drawings and that we started with, um, building that world out and, and who the characters are and what the, what the struggle is and, and why they why this world exists. And then we built it out on, we thought about what kind of games would fit this kind of story. So I, we probably, we, we've done it a lot differently than probably most people go about, you know, developing their their games. But, um, but yeah, I think we just believe in, the, you know, in a, in a world of unlimited choices, you know, it's the brands that cut through and, and, and I think that's definitely true. Yeah, I mean it's it's fascinating when you say that, right? Because I was looking at a as a as a statistic from the American uh Marketing Association, the AMA, which said, you know, that last year, you know, uh on average the average consumer is exposed to something like ten thousand different brand impressions every single day, right? Brand impressions being you know, anywhere you might see a brand, right? You might see a brand, you know, you might see right. Coca Cola products in a vending machine, you know, you might see you know, 50 different products or 100 different products when you're shopping in the supermarket, right? You might see stuff on the street, you know, on billboards, on buses, et cetera. But I mean, is 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 that a is that a was that a big component of your thinking? You know, with Andrew and and um, the rest of the team, was it was it really kind of the story, and the brand? Was that kind of like a a core part of your strategy, just to cut through all this noise? De- definitely, I think you know, I I think you always brands that you can relate to or you have, you know, that that you put effort into, it's it's obvious on the shelf. I mean, how much, you know, packaging is the difference between about a billion brands out there, right? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. they may have the equal product, but it's just packaging. It's the little love and the detail of 
of in the creativity that goes in it and and um so I think there's been a high focus on that on trying to be creative trying to trying to have something that looks beautiful and feels beautiful and and kind of rewards people that come into the brand that they're they're getting something that they can appreciate that's polished I think that that's a lot in the in the thinking and the DNA of of what Andrew and Petri have built here and and, and we've 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 worked really hard to kind of pull that out over the last four years. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when you think about kind of like creating that story and creating that brand, what 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 how how have you guys gone about doing that? Um because it is so hard in a mobile experience to tell a story, right? And and you guys have done it not only in mobile, but you've branched out beyond mobile games as well. So can you talk can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it, you know that's one of the tricks and the hard things every day. But it's 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 really thinking about these characters and who they are and what they're about and and trying to make a first time user experience in the game that that gives you a hint of that. I think I think we really leave it to the consumer to you know they can either take it take the story for face value and and kind of get something out of that characters and the, or they have the opportunity to dig deep and, you know, go into the character bios and profiles and find out more about them. And if you go to our website, it's very brand-based and story-based, and we've created this kind of old, rustic kind of map of the land of minutia is, is where the best fiends and the slugs live. And, um, and you know, most brands just want to do that. And I, we, we feel that, you know, it might not be for everyone that yeah. plays our game, but the people that do dive into it seem to be our biggest word of mouth components and they're they're telling the story for us and I think any any kind of tool that we can put out there or give them a chance to kind of go down that path and do that for us is mm-hmm. is where we find success. I think the, yeah. the less we have to say and the more other people can say for us is is uh is where things really start to hum for us. And and you know when you look back over the mobile gaming industry in the last three or four years, right? Because you guys have been out at this for I think four plus years now, I still remember uh, my calls with Andrew in the very very early days when you guys were getting started, and he was telling me about the concept and everything, and, and it, it is so cool how far you guys have come. You know, what, what, in your mind, what's changed the most in marketing mobile games over the past three or four years? I mean, definitely the, the data, the data available and how direct the consumer everything is at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think it's good and bad, right? I think the data is massively important, and you know, I would say more earlier years of marketing, and, and uh, you know, was definitely relying more on creative instinct, and 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 the data would kind of come afterwards. <laughs> I was marketing such massive brands. We were the gut feel marketers, Phil. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but you know, I think I think you know, for the good, there's the data is available. The yeah. bad is that there's a lot of paralysis by analysis. Yeah, and I believe that. People go to the lowest common denominator, you know, the naming of their product. They go out and they kind of test it on Facebook or something. I mean, you still have to have a soul. So you have to marry that creativity with the data. And, yeah. and you know, I, I like to say that we're kind of data informed. Yeah. You know, we still want to lead by creativity and we still want to lead by instinct, but we want to actually have some data to... To, to verify that or to make sure we're going the right right direction, but I think um, you know everything's become so measurable and that that's great. But at the same time, you know, to have a little bit magic of building out a brand, you do have to you do have to rely on some creativity and and definitely gut instincts. So it's just finding yeah. that balance. But 
but you know, but but yeah, the data. I mean, the amount of data available, that kind of big data available, is just insane in the last four years. I mean, it's just gone from having having little indicators to just you know being almost scary. Yeah, it's almost like we're drowning in data at times. Yeah, sometimes it does feel like that. I mean, one one question I have for you, and I'm sure lots of marketers, you know, who might be listening would would ask themselves the same question, right? Um, you know, with all this focus on data, right, you know, from CEOs and boards and, you know, CFOs and others, you know, as a marketer, um, how do you make the case for brand building, you know, when, when, when you have all of, you know, so many tools that, you know, are sort of performance related, right? Um, how do you make the case for brand building and how do you measure success in, in building a brand? And that's the billion-dollar question, right? I think it's yeah. what everyone who has a big brand has to figure out and get to. I mean, there has to be some instinct and creativity and a leap of faith. Um, yeah. But but you you know you know you know, and we, we can talk a bit later. But you know, some of the different avenues we've done with our marketing, you know, whether it be influencer marketing or you know, right now we're we're exploring a lot of marketing on the radio, for example. Right. Um, that aren't traditionally great ways to measure, but we, you know, I think I think investing in a data science team that you can trust, yeah. working working side by side and realizing that they're not your not your enemy, but they're your best friend, and you can you can figure out a lot, you know, <clears throat> something, you know, you know, with influencer marketing is is there's nobody's really figured out how to how to how to judge it, how to yeah. how to attribute it. Um, you know, but but we found ways where we can attribute it against what we do because we do it consistently, and it, and it and it backs up pretty nicely doing that way. So we can see, you know, that we can see a lift study obviously, and we can we can parse that cohort into you know what the return on ad spend over time is and get the indicators. But um, yeah. but it would be hard to do that, you know, just for anybody using the same formula. But at least for us, we figured out a way that that we can use the same. The same indicators, you know, going after cost per view, which backs out into cost per install, which backs out into into some kind of ROAS formula. Um, so there are ways to do it, but it's it's it, you know sometimes sometimes it, it may not be the generally accepted way in the industry, but if it works for you, that's okay as well because at least you have those 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 um, data points along along the growth of your company to to look back on and compare against. Yeah, as long as you can sell it internally, I guess it's good enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, uh, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that is that is that that's one part of it. But I think also looking, you know, I, I think looking, um, we're still small enough where, you know, if we get a real lift, you know, we 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 don't really have 360 marketing campaigns going on yet. You know, we have yeah. always on use acquisition. That's super measurable. Um, and we can, you know, we can we can parse that out. We have our yeah. organics that we've built out uh, through time, and then you know we do do, you know, three to six to ten week campaigns, and they're usually in a single a single channel. So we are still at the point where we can we can attribute those and, and look at the you know return on ad spend and 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 that kind of thing through um, through the time. You know, I think you, the hard part is you know someone who you know, someone who sells a pair of shoes, right? And they've got they've got to figure out multi-touch attribution, which yeah. actually led to the 
to the sale or something. I think. Oh my God, those guys are in a world of hurt. <laughs> they are, and 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 you know that. I mean, basically, they have to run everything and they have to subtract things and see if it hurts yeah. their sales, right? And yeah. In the meantime, they're they're taking a giant leap of faith on putting that marketing mix together, and everyone wants the exact date, that exact data point that made that sale. And yeah, it's. I've heard some very interesting theories over the last couple of weeks, but that is a very, very difficult um, place to be in. And luckily, we're so direct to consumer, and our even our direct response stuff happens pretty immediately. So, it's, it's, right. in a way, we're we're luckier to have some <laughs> some clearer attribution than 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 some people in in different industries. But um, mm-hmm. it's very hard. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, when you when you look back at you know, everything that you guys have learned and done the past, you know, three or four years in, in marketing. I mean, were there any major surprises that you didn't see coming? Um, yeah, I, I guess one of the biggest surprises is, is how expensive, you know, everything in, in app-related and mobile-related has become so fast, right? right? I mean, we went from from a from a fixed price system of, of of apps that you know free to play freemium universe that's that's endless um, and then you know and then add subscription models into that and, and things like that and, and then you're competing you know the amount of competition in those three or four years has has just ballooned to like insane levels where you know before we were competing against other games, but now, like I said earlier, we're not competing against net. We're, anything that takes your time, we're competing against at the moment, right. which which is which is quite difficult. I think. Um, yeah, I think that, and then you know, going back to the data stuff, I think data also. I've been surprised at how how valuable and how how cor- correct it's got. You know, I mean, I, or how accurate I would say is the right word, like. Like it's it's um you really can get real meaningful data points. Yeah. You know, where four years ago you could get tiny indicators that you still had to make a judgment call off and, and now you can now you can get to the point where things are things are, are, are pretty straightforward with the with the right with the right data and team in place, of course. Yeah, so things have gotten a lot more expensive and the data's gotten I guess a lot more granular. I mean when you look at data, for example, you know, how granular can you get these days running a mobile ad campaign? I mean, can you, can you, you know, geo-target now to kind of like a steady level and even more granular than that? Definitely, definitely. I think the the more granular you target, the more expensive it gets. Sure. So yeah, I mean, you can get down to, you know, you can build lookalikes, you can get down to, you know, one, 1% payer lookalikes of your current payers that have paid in apps in, you know, in the smallest city in the Congo if you really, really want to get who knows if there'll be anyone, but you can get that get that right. granular. Um right. and it'd be massively expensive. But yeah, but it's it's you know, it's always finding the right balance. But um but yeah, what? yeah, it's been it's gotten quite crazy. What's been the um you know, you guys have obviously tried a lot of stuff and, and I've seen that you guys have run, you know, campaigns with NGOs and things and you've run above the line, not just mobile, um uh, you know, you're doing radio now. I mean, what's what's been the most successful marketing campaign you guys have done in the last couple of years? And and I'd love I'd love to understand like, you know, why you think it was so successful. Yeah, well, I think I mean if if you call it a campaign or maybe a channel, I think yeah. When we started, our budget was pretty minimal. Um, 
you know, our product fit for buying traditional UA was was we, we didn't have any metrics about it, so we we're kind of digging in the dark and buying your traditional UA, which was always, you know, I was getting so expensive as well. So, so we kind of looked around at what other people weren't doing or weren't successful, and we, you know, we we um, you know, we got into influencer marketing, who was somewhat afford somewhat affordable then, especially compared to UA. You know, I think I'd read a thing in Variety where, you know, three of the top 10 most popular people in Hollywood were, were YouTubers and, you know, obviously, so we did our first, our, you know, I think we had a 100K marketing budget and we spent 60K maybe of our budget on PewDiePie. Wow, um, really? And, uh, yeah, at that point, he's the biggest guy on the internet. He's, you know, he's he's kind of, he, he was like guys, he is like guys, you know, at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. And kind of you know, having a look, having a look at how that could do, and it was very interesting. I mean, we got as many downloads from his video in three days as, or probably even more than we got in the, you know, from our initial whole launch of any any featuring we got in the world, um, any word of mouth, any kind of wow. other marketing. We got more from from his video in three days than we got from everything else, and. Um, and we sat back. And this, and said, oh my, this was just geez, him calling out the game on his channel, or 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 what? This was his. This was him. You know, this is him calling out the game, giving it endorsement. You know, what what we like about what we love about YouTube, in particular, is you know the endorsement part's awesome. At yeah. that point, we had read that seventy percent of views were on mobile, and we're one click away from a download. I'm I'm guessing it's probably eighty-five, ninety percent of views that are on mobile at at this point. Yeah. You know, this is four years on. Um, so, you know, 70% of views on mobile being one click away with a super powerful endorser saying, hey, click below my video and get this app, it's free. Um, it was super powerful. I mean, it was just, it was instant. We could see in, in the raw kind of, you know, undeveloped data systems we had at the time. I mean, it was obvious, refreshing by hour. Like, the, it was just going up and up and up and up. And, and, and we sat back and we thought, wow, this is super powerful. And then, you know, thinking about thinking about um, influencers in general and, and how we can make them work and, you know, believing, like we talked about earlier, that anyone could be a mobile, uh, you know, uh, a, game, a gamer if they have a mobile in their pocket or, or the purse or whatever, um, you know, I really thought there's an opportunity to take that to another level. PewDiePie was super powerful that weekend. Um, you know, the next week he was doing this sponsor, the next week he was doing that sponsor, and, and you kind of get lost in that noise occasionally. But so we tried the next campaign we, we did with um, with uh, with Rosanna Pansino, who who's a who had worked with at Rovio, she's kind of a you know the the chef of YouTube, does a lot of cupcakes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And and her you know her management team was a little resistant at it, like she's not a gamer, like why are you coming after her? No, we explained that, you know, hey, this is, everyone's a gamer if you have a mobile phone. So she did a, yeah, yeah. you know, she did a what's on my, what's on my iPhone type of video where she talked about five things she likes on her iPhone. But, you know, she downloaded the game. She really loved it. She, you know, she, she's been playing forever, actually. She's done a couple campaigns with her since. And that was, again, super powerful. I mean, that weekend we were, you know, we saw tons of downloads, you know, super cheap downloads, lots of, uh, Lots of demos all weekend, but then we started also seeing that we were trending on, you know, uh, uh, iTunes, <coughs> sorry, the App Store search, um, 
you know, it, we're number one trending on app, on app store search as well. Right. You know, within a couple hours of her doing that video, so. Wow. So, you know, we. So, so it seems like the influencer strategy. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, like, you know, we we only had limited budget, and everything is a, you know, everything for us was a um, opportunity cost. So what, you know, what we did is we kind of decided and made a choice that we're going to be really good at one avenue of marketing. We chose influencer marketing as our, as our avenue. It was we were we had an opportunity. There's there's another company, Audible, that probably I think if you look back now and ask anyone, you know. If you want validation that you're a real YouTuber, you've probably done a sponsorship video with us or Audible. Yeah. Which has become kind of a joke and it actually has worked in our favor and people are people are super excited when they you know, if they get a best team sponsorship in their videos, but um it's been a very powerful tool. And I think because we concentrated so so early on that, we were able to try a lot of different things that other brands wouldn't necessarily do or think about in in a really powerful way and, and that kind of led to doing campaigns where we integrated the YouTube symbols in our games. So they said, you know, download our game, download the game, find my symbol in the game, like hidden within, you know, we, we hid their symbols like in the credits or, you know, in, in if they had a favorite character, you had to open the character's bio and the symbol would come up. And when you collected all 10, then you would get the special prize pack that of in-game currency that allowed you to, you know, have some golden diamonds to play with and stuff. And, and kind of getting that kind of two-way back and forth of them giving the endorsement and then bringing that into our game became super powerful. And, you know, we've been doing influencer marketing now for four, four years. And, and what not only has it been successful from the download and DAU's perspective and, and, you know, building the brand, I think you know, the best thing about YouTube videos is they live on the web forever and you get this long tail of views that, that um that still happen when people you know people find a new YouTuber they like they go back through their whole back catalog of, of videos and and so that's been super powerful but I think I think that you know there's a there's a massive brand value on top of on top of the direct response. Um, that's super interesting. From, from uh, marketing. Yeah, that's super interesting because you know I think in, in the world of performance marketing you know influencer marketing and sponsorships. It's not exactly intuitive that that's the route that you would go down, right? And I guess a lot of people would say, oh, my God, you know, how do we measure that directly? And can we actually directly attribute it to whatever PewDiePie said? But but I guess in this case, to some extent, you, you can, right? Um, so it's yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, fascinating. We, that's fascinating. It took us a while to be able to do that, um, yeah. to be honest. And, uh, and you know, I, there's still people debating vigorously on how to do it and what the best way to do it. But we found a way that works for us, and, and it's pretty, you know, it's pretty clear. It gives us a, a cost per install and, and a return on ad spend that that's, mm -hmm. that's parsed and clear for us. So so yeah. that that um, that helps. And, and and what also influencer marketing has done for us is it's really helped, you know, hone our target our target groups. So. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you start, start at the top of the funnel when you're on YouTube, so you can like PewDiePie and you kind of branch out and you get more granular. And, you know, <laughs> I'd say we still do YouTube campaigns, but we work in three main categories, which would be family, which makes a lot of sense with, with our type of game and our brand. Um, uh, fashion, so, so a lot of the, you know, the makeup bloggers and the fashion bloggers and things like that. And then yeah. the LGBT community, and that's that. That was a big surprise. I mean, 
it wasn't a surprise for us, but it seems to be a surprise for a lot of other people when I tell them that. I mean, they, they, you know, that community has such a, you know, so, there's so many amazing personalities and and um, and and there's so much creativity coming out of out of the community. But for whatever reason, some brands were shying away from them. Just you know, you know, very very old-fashioned or or you know, however. Whatever they do, you know, is a bit ridiculous, you know, from our perspective. But you know, we saw so much talent, so so much creativity, and 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 people that you know, influences that absolutely deserve sponsorships that weren't getting their fair share. And we yeah. worked with a lot of a lot of talent very early on, and it's um, it's become a a great a great two way um, you know, partnership. So so we've you know, uh, it's been. Been pretty amazing. So those those three those three target demos have been really really good for us and, and and fit kind of where we are now as as the game's kind of four years in and the brand's four years in. Well, that's that's uh, that's incredibly helpful. I mean, and I think you know the folks in the audience will definitely appreciate those those learnings in terms of you know both targeting and also in terms of use of channels because again those are not necessarily always intuitive. Uh, and it goes to show again the yeah. importance of really kind of like you know segmenting out your audience and looking for niches and trying to understand where your message is going to most resonate. Um, yeah. I want to switch gears. If you really want to get into some, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I just I want to switch gears for a second because you know I think one of the questions I'm also interested in, um, you know, is that you know we we learn a lot from from you know analyzing and seeing what we've done well, but you know kind of like what I find, especially kind of talking to entrepreneurs and startups, is you know. One of the areas where we get the most learning, unfortunately, is, is where, you know, we do things that don't pan out uh, so well, right? And and I know that, um, right. you know, you've probably had your share of those experiences. I have, too. We all have. And and so kind of like in your experience, you know, if you look at the time you've spent in gaming, the time that you spent, you know, in the handset business, uh, you know, and obviously your time as a professional basketball player, um, you know, are there any – is there any kind of like particular – you know, uh, either marketing program or or something else that you you worked on that didn't exactly pan out as planned. I was I was curious what what you may have learned about that process. Oh wow, yeah, I, I you know, I, there's one case I had at, at going back quite a while, but at Nokia, um, and we we had this phone, the N8. It was the first phone in the world to take 12 megapixel. Uh, Photos and it also took, which we marketed it as VGA video, or like DVD like quality video, which was 720p. But um, you know, it took very like at the time, like that video was way better than anything else out in, in in the realm. And so we were thinking about, you know, this was at a time where you know product becomes a bit more marketing, and marketing becomes product, and we were thinking about how do we really bring up this angle and and. We're working with the agencies and having some workshops, and we we uh, we thought about you know special effects and kind of democratizing Hollywood and bringing special effects to this quality of images and and video in your pocket. And um, so we built out the special effects app, and and um, you know we're on this operating system called Symbian, which is you know probably closer to Android than it was iOS. So there's so many versions of it, and um, and you know we're building we're building special effects out app out and we're having massive bets and like rendering you know rendering farms for people kind of sending their video back and forth on 
I think at that time it was still 3G networks, and and um, and it was getting close, and we were able to replicate the whole thing working in a you know in a closed environment over Wi-Fi, and and, um, and this was this was I, I guess the most similar thing that come out like this was the action movie FX app from from Bad Robot. I don't know if you've sure. seen that or played around with it, but it, it's pretty yeah. awesome and it's fun. And this was that, but maybe a year earlier. And, you know, we worked with Framestore, who's the big video effects guys behind Harry Potter and a bunch of movies in, in the UK. And, you know, we had these fun effects. And, and you know, it was one of those things in the big company that once there's a little bit of success, you know, all of a sudden this app gets sold as the, the premier thing for the device and the premier thing at point of sale. And, I mean, it just it just totally snowballed out of control with one demo. Um, and, and... When it came down to it, our engineers just couldn't make it work on on whatever the Symbian structure on on that phone was. And obviously, the, the technical part was beyond my head. But I think I think that how wide and far that that app got. I think even you know, I think that you know the FrameSquare guys did like a local TEDx talk on it. Um, you know, it, it was my biggest lesson to kind of kind of really figure out something before you start trying to sell it. Yeah. Because uh, it, it was amazing. It was, it was, it was definitely the future. It was definitely kind of visionary for that. But, you know, the fact that we couldn't pull it off with the product was, was the most painful thing I've ever been through by far. Um, and, yeah, and that, you know, yeah, sorry, that could be we're, we're in the middle of ending. So there's always, I'm surprised this is the only ambulance. They're uh, they're 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 coming to get you, man. The uh, the 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 influencers. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes those kind of experiences, you know, um, you start with a big vision and stuff, and then you, the more you get a lot of different people involved, you get a lot of feature requests, and then things snowball. And you know, if you don't initially start off with a very clear idea of who your audience is and why you're why you're building something, I guess it, things can go out of yeah, control. Yeah, definitely. And it was, it was also at a time of the rise of, you know, high-end Android phones and, you know, kind of yeah. iPhones kind of going right through maybe iPhone 4 or 5, right when it's at its kind of heyday. And, and there was yeah. a lot of pressure to kind of differentiate from everything else on. So, so you know, we were kind of looking for for a little bit of a miracle. And we, we had, you know, the promise of something that was super, super cool. And, and the, the fact that, you know, it's disappointing on multiple levels when it all fell through and, and um, you know, I don't know if I'd ever been that integrated with the product and anything I'd done had done previously in marketing before. So that was also, um, yeah. It was a, well, that's it was the toughest. Learning, it, when, tough. when you've got to let go of something, it's always the toughest, right? Um, it's uh, yeah. it's never fun. Um, kind of just one last question before we we move to our uh, our, our our quick tips, uh, which is the last part of the show. You know, given all your experience now, both at Rovio and at seriously, you know, as, as a professional kind of games guru, you know, um, games games marketing guru, um, what 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 one piece of advice would you give a newbie, you know, game developer who's trying to to to, to, to get some traction with their their mobile game these days? Yeah, if I gave one piece of advice, I think it's something we talked about earlier. It's just become very very good at one marketing channel. You know, yeah. I think it's so easy to say, like, you know, and there's so many pressures to have that hockey stick so fast, you know, like, let's be on radio and outdoor, you know, Facebook and, you know, AdWords and, and every network around, and you yeah. just can't do it all, right? When you're first yeah. starting, you really have to think about 
where the best bang for your buck is going to come and where you can also, you know, get some scale. And I think, I think the one mistake people make is trying to be everywhere. Just figure out one channel and become as good as you can in it. And I think that that's, that's advice that give people starting out. Cool. Cool. That's super helpful, man. Um, all right. We're going to move to the, the five quick tips, which is just, you know, I'm just going to ask you five questions in rapid succession and just give really kind of short, concise answers for our audience. And uh, this has been super helpful. I mean, I, I've, I've learned a ton about um, marketing mobile games. You know, I've been out of, uh, out of mobile games now for a little while, a couple of years, and it's, it's amazing how much things have, have evolved and moved on. But I really, I really enjoy kind of the learnings here, uh, especially around influencer marketing. Yeah, no, thanks. That, that was a surprise for me. It really yeah. refreshing, too. Um, so oh, on that wow. note, kind of, um, what, what's, what's, what's been the most kind of influential book that you've read recently, Phil? Oh, man. That's a, that's a tough one. I'm sorry I'm not going to be very quick on that one. I, I mean, <laughs> the latest book I read was just uh, uh, the Phil Knight book, which I, I found kind of, kind of boring, actually. But there were some very unique things on how he approached and how he went to Japan and, and took the risk on some shoes. So, you know, other than that, I've just been reading to my three-year-old. So maybe it's five minutes type of big story. Less, less, yeah, less, less insights coming from those those children's books, I guess. <laughs> exactly. What's um What's the one marketing tool that you simply couldn't live without right now? Right now, it's our our kind of our our data portal and amplitude. It's just something I check multiple times a day, and it's it's, it's not always it's not always perfect, but it certainly gives great direction and data points for things we're doing. All right, so Amplitude. What's the one trait every talented marketer should seek to improve? I think to follow your instinct. You know, usually there's a reason we've all, we all survive, right? It's because we, we do follow our instincts. And, you know, they might not always be right and they might not always pair up the data, but I think the moment you stop using any instinct and only data, it, you know, it's. I think you're done at that point. Yeah. What's your favorite brand? Favorite brand? Um, ooh, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I think as far as long-term brands go, it's, you know, it's probably it's probably Star Wars. You know, it's been there since it came out in 1977 when I when I was. Oh. Can you hear me? Phil? Hello, Phil. Hello, Phil? I think we have lost Phil. Anyway, this is uh, Bad Mork for Bad Mork Stories. I think we've lost uh, Phil Hickey from... Uh, seriously, but uh, we're winding down the show as is already, and I want to thank Phil... Uh, and the folks at Seriously Generously for their time on the show today. We've learned a lot. It's been an amazing session. And I hope you guys will uh, follow me on uh, Mad Mork. Check out uh, Mad Mork Stories on Facebook, facebook.com slash Mad Stories, and also follow our blog, madmork.com slash blog. This is uh, Patrick Mad Mork signing off, thanking the folks at Seriously once again. And if you haven't had a chance yet, check out uh, Best Fiends on the App Store. Uh, and on Google Play uh, for those Android users out there. Thanks again, and have an awesome rest of your day.
This is Patrick Madmork signing off.